politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to take back our liberties. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house here for a new week of broadcasting, April 26th, Monday. I'm actually recording a day early here on my way out to our Front Sight Nevada trip with ConstitutionCoach.com. You could sign up as well for our May 30th trip the best defense training you will ever get, learning how to handle a handgun and properly interpret the Constitution as well. Really looking forward to meeting some of you guys in the audience as well as the guys coming in the May trip as well. Um, I'm not looking forward to hopping on a plane for five hours with uh, the diaper on my face, but my wife made me a paper-thin one, so we'll see what happens there. But this is going to be a little bit of an irregular week here, but we are still in the fight as always. Um, You could download anywhere, send to your friends, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you hear podcasts. And really want to thank someone just left a five-star rating saying, Daniel is always skating to where the puck is going, not where it's been. And I think that's really apropos for today. I was speaking about and warning about the growing crime wave in this country last seven, eight years. We were used to 20, 25 years of record low crime, and I was warning you guys that both parties have gotten together. Republicans agreed with the lies of the left that somehow our system punishes violent criminals too much. So criminal justice reform became 100% all about what to do for the violent criminal and to help him, not what to do for victims of crime, the people at large. You know, the greatest purpose of government to secure the blessings of liberty at its core why we have a government, because we don't need a government for most things. It's so you could walk down the street with liberty and not get beaten up or killed, murdered. But this is what we have. Yet the lies of the media are so powerful that they are able to turn reality 180 degrees around and make it the other way around, as if there's too many criminals being punished, beaten up by the police, They make it as if whites are racist and beating up blacks when really it's the opposite. Record number of white victims harmed by black criminals. And again, from our standpoint, we don't care because people are individually culpable. There's no group culpability based on skin color, based on gender, based on anything. But we need to point this out in order to debunk their garbage. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. And these times are very trying and really test a lot of our blood pressure, which is why I end the day with a sip of wine. What better than doing so with conservativewine.com? Down in Argentina, they have vineyards up at 9,000 feet in the Andes Mountains. They make world-class 90-point wine there. Now they're coming under threat from these radical mobs that are attacking and seizing their land there, kind of like BLM here. Buildings are burning down in the middle of the night. Equipment is getting looted, and the government down there isn't doing a darn thing about it because they're embedded with the radicals. Sound familiar? Um, So people are snapping up these wines while they still can. 
They taste great. Notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather, smoke. And they're also great with barbecuing steaks as well. Um, I love wine plain as well as with steak. So today I want you guys to go over to conservativewine.com. And there's another special shipment coming in. 50% off shipping and the base price. If you go to conservativewine.com, they are sharing it only with this audience. Again, conservativewine.com um, to get your best tasting wine on the market. Now, folks, I want to introduce you to a name that you haven't heard of. Say her name along with me. Linda Stoltzfus. You could also say Jaslyn Adams. And you could also utter the names of thousands upon thousands of victims of crime who are just children. Children. We've been talking a lot about child murderers and violent criminals. That the left cares about the child murderers, not the child victims. Thousands upon thousands of them in growing numbers being murdered on the streets by repeat violent offenders who are juveniles or adults who have massive criminal records and are not deterred and are not punished. Their deaths are 100% avoidable. That is the public policy issue that is predominant in our country now. It reminds me of like, you had the Israelis and the Arabs. It's like, the Arabs would attack the Israelis a thousand times, and you'll have one Israeli civilian that, you know, unprompted attacks an Arab, and it's like, that's the issue. The Israelis are too violent. Remember that? Like, in the 90s, the 2000s, you heard all about that. The media has the power to flip a narrative on its head. Linda Stoltzfus. Let me tell you about a true victim that died as a child who truly is someone to celebrate, but no one will ever hear of her name. And her murder was unavoidable, was completely avoidable. And unlike the stories that they throw in front of you, this does represent not just a story, but a, a growing systemic problem of violent, undeterred criminals Mainly black on black and black on white crime. White on black crime being the most rare by far. And before I just talk about this girl, I just want to mention again, everyone on my side has shied away from this issue because they're too scared to talk about it. And I'm not scared to talk about it because to me, our views have always been consistent. We don't believe in group culpability based on skin color, okay? So even though it's clear that per capita, people who happen to be of the black race, per capita, there is just, I mean, literally the the homicides are just, I mean, you're talking about 50-fold over, over whites per capita, but nonetheless, the overwhelming majority of blacks still aren't criminals. So jo John Doe, who happens to be black, is not culpable for numerous black-on-white attacks, of which there are exponentially more than white-on-black, 
and exponentially more of them are racially motivated. But again, to us, it doesn't matter. So naturally, we don't like to talk about this. We don't point out every day, another black person kills a white. Another black person surrounds, you know, a black mob surrounds a white and says racial stuff and beats the guy silly or beats the guy to death. Because the point is not the color of the skin. The point is repeat violent offenders that are not deterred. Deter them and we don't care who it is. But it's the left that peeks through and says, oh, well, there's too many blacks being locked up. So then we have to say, well, yeah, there's, you know, there's a reason for that. But that's why, I mean, I am not tortured by this issue. But anyway, you want to talk about an innocent person, an innocent teen, so in the New York Post, an Amish woman in Pennsylvania who vanished during a walk home from church was strangled, suffocated, and stabbed in the neck, a coroner said Friday. The Lancaster County Coroner's Office used dental records to positively identify the body of Linda Stoltzfus, 18, whose remains were found Wednesday wrapped in a tarp and buried on a railroad property near business in the town of Gap. Um, near Lancaster. Stolzfus died from uh, asphyxia due to strangulation suffocation. Um, A stab wound to the teen's neck also contributed to her death. Justo Roberto Smoker, 35 of Paradise, was charged with felony kidnapping and false imprisonment in Stolzfus' disappearance in July. So they just, I mean, this happened in July. They, They found the remains of the body and they charged this guy, um, and the guy's 35. This is not a juvenile case. But they said, the district attorney says, Smoker killed Stolzfus hours after kidnapping her as she walked home from church. Now, we, we find that the left has their narratives. All these names everyone knows of, Dante this, and Floyd this, and Trayvon this, people that had violent, violent pasts. Whether their deaths were, their, you know, were justified or whether in some cases it was like in Dante's case it was a mistake. They pulled the taser or whatever. But they make them heroes and where every one of them happens to be a dirtbag. Every one of them happens to be a dirtbag. Well, this person, a teenaged girl, Amish girl on her way back from church. I mean, you're not going to get someone more innocent than that. And this is how her life ends. Now, again, you know, to be fair, there's no evidence th- this case is racially motivated. Was a black suspect. They have him on camera going to the place where the body was dumped many times. They have they have all the evidence. They have DNA. But, folks, this you'll never hear of Linda Stolzfus. Because, ironically, it's not news. Because it happens all the time. Black criminals... That are let out of prison. Oh, and by the way, I missed the most important point here. The point for us is not that he's black. I'm just jujitsuing their narrative. But he was let go 16 months prior from prison. He was serving 12 years for armed robberies. I didn't check his other record. I'm sure there's more there. This is the problem. Where is the BLM for victims of crime? But this is not news because there's thousands of people like Linda and particularly white victims of repeat violent black offenders that are not locked up. 
despite what you hear in the media. This is how they could flip a narrative upside down, inside out. If I had control of the media, I could get people thinking the exact opposite, and it would actually be backed by data. But this is what the media does. They could take a nothing and blow it up and take the biggest story of all time and censor it. Which leads me to our second sponsor today, MySonHunterMovie.com. We had on a little while ago the producers of the new film that's being made right now exposing the Hunter Biden scandal, the corruption with Ukraine, Russia, China, and how the media covered it up. These are the same filmmakers behind the Gosnell movie, which certainly did very well. You can learn more about it at mysonhuntermovie.com. It's a tell-all, Hunter's wild escapades, the contents of his laptop, his shady farm business deals, obviously his ties with China. They need your help because obviously they're going up against the grain. It's a not-for-profit. Um, they're and, and, and again, it's so much not-for-profit, they're going to put it on Rumble and things like that. They're going to make it available because the point is for it to get out. So that's why they need your help. Um, your gifts of $10, $50, $100 will help expose them. It actually is tax deductible. So again, please go to mysonhuntermovie.com right now to make your donation. By the way, if you want to hear me with Philem, the, um one of the filmmakers, go to episode 839 of CR Podcast. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had him on, and uh, you could hear more about it. Again, mysonhuntermovie.com. So this is the power of the media. They could give you the exact opposite impression of what's going on. I could read these cases all day long. Another case, um, and New York Post, I give them credit. They're, they're one of the few that covers this. Freed gang member goes on crime spree after injuring cop. Okay? Never hear about this. A reputed gang member who was freed without bail. Okay? Didn't have to post a dollar of bail despite attempted murder charges. So he was being charged with attempted murder. He was let go with zero bail. Went on a crime spree that including dragging a NYPD officer with a car Friday. Newsom 32 allegedly ran amok for nearly 12 hours after cops approached him behind the wheel of a Mercedes-Benz with excessively tinted windows that was blocking traffic. And again, a lot. this is what people don't realize. A lot of the guys who doing this are the worst people. Oh, why do they need to make these traffic stops? It was a tragic. He didn't need to die. It should, they shouldn't have done that. How do you think they catch the worst human beings alive? When a cop tried to pull Newsom out of the car, which is believed to be owned by his girlfriend, he hit the car in reverse, hit the gas, dragging the cop a short distance before getting away. The officer suffered a back injury, was taken to NYU uh, hospital for treatment. About 90 minutes later, Newsom allegedly broke into a house nearly 50 miles away, smashed his way inside. Um... He's a member of the Edgemere Crew gang. He threatened a 66-year-old woman by pretending he had a gun in his pocket, but left without taking anything. The cops tracked him there. Um, so another woman victimized. He threw plants around at me and my son. It was scary. Then he allegedly stole a green Jaguar S-type sedan on his way out. He's finally caught later that day 
after the stolen car's license plates triggered an electronic reader. That's how they caught him. Earlier this month, prosecutors sought to have Newsom locked up without bail to await trial for a Valentine's Day bar shooting and attempted robbery. But during his April 7th arraignment, rookie Queens judge Denise Johnson put him back on the streets. Even though his defense lawyer asked for 50,000 bail. Meaning, <laughs> the prosecutor wanted him locked up. The defense lawyer was like, no, no, can you let him out on 50,000? And, and the judge was like, hey, let's split the difference and let him out on zero. Again, you don't hear these stories. You know, this article was from February in the Washington Post, but it's re- relevant now. It was about a 14-year-old boy charged with stabbing a cab driver to death, not to be mixed up with the 14-year-old girls who stabbed a, uh, an Uber driver to death in Northern Virginia. That's a different case. But the Washington Post, you know, wrote on this and basically said the boy is the seventh juvenile so far in 2021 to be charged with murder in PG County. This is not state. Okay, this was February 9th, a month into the year. And in one county, this was the seventh juvenile. To put that in perspective, in that same county, the previous year, the entire 12 months, there were six juveniles arrested for homicide. And then in this year, the first five weeks, there were seven in that one county, PG County, Maryland. Okay? That's just one county. I'm, I'm gathering more data on this. I have someone helping actually research this for me. <clears throat> um, and you guys could help as well. You're always free to send me stuff. But th- this is a growing trend of juveniles committing murder. That doesn't bother them. That doesn't bother them. And the murder victims doesn't bother them. Most of them are black victims. Some of them are white. The most rare ones are black victims of white crime, whether it's police mistakes, police malfeasance, or civilians. But every single case you will know about, plus the majority of them that are BS, but you will not know about the cases a hundred times more numerous that if anything would prove the exact opposite narrative because they care about the criminals and not the victims. Another story, UK Daily Mail. Murder rates soar dramatically in cities after BLM protests with up to 6,000 extra deaths nationwide. Basically, UMass PhD candidate Travis Campbell, I think I said this before, I just want to reiterate for today's show, um, for those of you who didn't hear, they found he put out a study and found that police homicides, I'm sorry, that um, murder rates rose 10%, anywhere from one to 6,000 additional homicides. They rose 10% in the exact locations where you had the most BLM unrest. So that's what they're accomplishing. Folks, this is why I'm sick of the subtlety. I am sick of the subtlety of them abolishing the cops' preview, purview, but repurposing them to go after us. I want to call their bluff and just completely abolish the cops. I want this to be brought to a head. I want it to be brought to a head. Now, I want you to hold this thought for a moment. While we have all these victims of crime that no one will ever hear about. Oh, I missed... I missed the big one. Whoops. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> I was going to go on. I forgot the big one. Jaslem Adams. Seven-year-old girl. 
No crying over little girls. You hear all, you know, the the 16-year-old stabber, uh, you know, the mother is crying over. Well, first of all, why was she in foster? The mother doesn't seem to be bothered by her, what was going on with her. But um, therein lies the problem. But Jaslyn Adams, a seven-year-old girl, she was black, murdered at a McDonald's drive-thru by a carjacker. No one cares. Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. 18-year-old, just 18 years old, technically an adult, but, you know, very young, Marion Lewis was arrested um, for shooting the seven-year-old girl. Again, massive record. Probably a lot of it was sealed, too, as a minor because he just turned 18. Nobody is talking about this. I've been talking about this for seven years. We have now spent a decade coddling criminals to the point where you have particularly young teens, because they see the older teens and young 20s not being deterred, and they're like, hey, this is cool. Mainly in black neighborhoods. Mainly affecting black kids, but certainly they attack Asians, they attack whites, we're certainly seeing that. Never gets talked about. And everyone's running away from it. We have black supremacist Tim Scott giving the Republican response to Biden's congressional address Wednesday night. I'm glad I'll be flying back then. Won't have to listen to it. Basically, his message is going to be, yes, whites are racist, but not as much as you think. And yes, the police are bad and need to be um, you know, neutered. And yes... Prisons need to be emptied, but maybe with a little bit more of a wrinkle than Democrats want. This is what we have as Republicans. You have John Cornyn, by the way, saying the Senate should pass a DACA bill for illegals. Like, Biden rips open the borders, and that's that's his response. He's the number two Republican, Senate Minority Whip. So this is what we have there. But I want you guys to hold this thought of these worst robbers, attempted murder being released without bail. Compare that to the, to the Capitol Hill protesters. Julian Cater, okay, he was one of the people arrested. He's accused of assaulting police with bear spray. Now, I don't know the details there, but let's say he's guilty of it. Folks, um, he is being held without bail, and they're actually willing to post 15 million bonds secured by collateral from 16 family members. Now, Folks, do you understand that almost no, there are thousands of police assaults by BLM. Almost none of them were indicted, but not a single one of them was held without bail. Harvey Weinstein was held on a million bail. This guy's a 32-year-old from Pennsylvania. And here he's actually accused of doing something that's worse than most others are being accused of. But still, if you if you compare that to others, forget it. But this is a two-tier justice system. Two-tier justice system. It's crazy. You have another one that's being held without bail, and the judge said, quote, they spoke of political violence, of the spirit of 1776, of revolution of war. So now you mention 1776, you're held without bail for trespassing? There's another case they said that. And again, keep in mind, 
You literally have people that took over four or six city blocks in Portland and mainly in Seattle, if you remember that. Rape and murder and all stuff was going on there. None of them were held without bail. Nothing will happen to them. Two-tier justice system. And then you have this article from Politico. It's kind of weird. Once in a while, you'll have like one liberal publication do random good acts of journalism on one issue. For some reason, Politico has been covering the beatings and harsh treatment of the people being held without without bail in prison for stuff that in most parts of the country other people do get released without posting any bail. Elizabeth Warren is actually speaking up for them. No Republican. Senator Elizabeth Warren fled the Capitol on January 6th from a mob. She later called domestic terrorists. Now she and another Senate Democrat leader are standing up for their attackers' rights as criminal defendants. Most of the 300-plus people charged with participating in the Capitol riot have been released while they await trial, but dozens of those deemed to be dangerous flight risks or at high risk of obstructing justice were ordered held without bond. D.C. jail officials later determined that all the Capitol detainees would be placed in so-called restrictive housing, a move billed as necessary to keep the defendants safe, as well as guards and other inmates. Meaning, in other words, it's a free reign to beat them. Basically, they're in 23-hour-a-day isolation. Now, normally, if you're scared someone's going to be beaten, that's grounds for releasing the person on bail. I mean, often they do that even with like really crazy people. Certainly someone that has never been a flight risk, never had a criminal record. It's the first thing they did. And often the charges were either disorderly conduct or trespassing. But Warren and Dick Turbin... Solitary confinement is a form of punishment that is cruel, psychologically damaging, Warren said in an interview. We're talking about people who haven't been convicted of anything yet. (laughs) I mean, look, I got to give them credit. But they're being beaten. They're being held in solitary confinement. This is what's happening in America today. The two-tier justice system. And, um, but this is how it is. Some of you might have seen one of the Derek Chauvin trial jurors I know a lot of people was like, Daniel, stop saying it's a juror. It's an alternate juror. I know she was alternate, but the entire trial, she thought she was real. They didn't tell her she was alternate. So she got the same experience as the ones that weren't alternates. And she said very clearly, I know she said she felt he was guilty, but she also did say we were scared of rioting and the response. In any other context, that would be grounds for a mistrial. In my state of Maryland, if you remember, there was this um, medical examiner from Maryland who testified on behalf of the defense. You would think this is a joke. It's real. The Maryland Attorney General's office said Friday it believes there should be a review of in-custody death reports produced by the state's office of the chief medical examiner during the tenure of Dr. David Fowler, nine days after Fowler testified that the ex-Minnesota police officer was not responsible for the death of George Floyd. The announcement came less than 24 hours after the Attorney General's office received a letter from the former medical examiner of Washington, D.C., Roger Mitchell, signed by 431 doctors around the country, saying Fowler's testimony and conclusions were so far outside the bounds of accepted forensic practice that all of his previous work could come into question. 
So now anyone who testifies, anyone who's a lawyer, they're going after his lawyer. Again, you have the worst criminals get lawyers that are championed and everything, testimony. And here, there was no damage to Floyd's neck. I, I mean, you cannot live in a country where victim and criminal, where man and woman, where citizen and alien, when the basics of natural law are flipped upside down, inside out, you can't live in a society like that. It just doesn't work that way. We need to self-separate. We need our own BLM movement. That's certainly clear. And before moving on to other issues, I just want to finish this point about the lack of focus on victims, the lack of understanding of why there is so much crime in this country, why police are interacting with predominantly young black criminals. Too many people on the so-called conservative side are cowards in addressing this issue. Because they feel that to defend ourselves from crime and to actually point out that the system is, if anything, more lenient on blacks, and it's just that inherently there is more crime among blacks, that somehow they're, they're scared of being called racist. When the reality is the exa exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. What the left is doing is treating blacks like inferior people. They are openly saying that they can't help themselves, they are less equal, they need more help, um, they're incapable of behaving like everyone else. And again, I mean, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, despite the overwhelmingly greater degree of crime per capita among blacks, still the overwhelming majority of blacks are law-abiding citizens. So there's no reason why the minority can't be like the majority there. But there is a reason why this violence is festering. See, the liberals want to blame it on that they're not getting enough handouts, not getting enough unequal treatment where we tip the scales to blacks over whites and other groups. So they want to do it even more. And they blame the police. As if crime never existed and the police came in and because of them, there's crime. Cart before the horse. Conservatives also often say, well, you took the father out of the home. Um, they blame it on the welfare sometimes. Look at all these blue city Democrat mayors. And, and there's validity to the argument at its source that it helped catalyze this trend. But over the last number of years, it's taken on a life and a culture of its own in which it's nobody's fault but the leadership in these communities. We don't need criminal justice reform. I mean, we do, but the exact opposite of the way the political elites promote it. We need ghetto reform. And that's going to require the opposite of Al Sharpton and these people for church leaders to get up there and say, hey, cut the garbage out. This is the reality. It has nothing to do with 
I don't want to say nothing, but it's not predominantly because of education or socioeconomic status because you have other poor people in Appalachia, other parts of the country, where you do not have such violent crime rates. Nothing to do with education. Everyone thinks, oh, you just throw this at them, throw that at them. Everyone has this guilt, like we have to do more. And I'm telling you, you could abolish the police tomorrow. Give them everything they want. Abolish the police. Have every white person pay them $5,000 reparations, just because. Whatever you want. It will only get more violent, and any sane person knows that, because it has nothing to do with that. You know, there were times in recent years, whatever, just sitting down next to someone who happened to be black, a young black man, um, on his phone, or years ago, I even had this in a library where, you know, it was kind of a black neighborhood, and it was back when internet connections weren't as reliable, so my internet was down for the day, and I went to the library, and I just glanced over next to me, and it's like a lot of them, all they were doing was watching videos of beatdowns. It's taken on a culture of its own. There is a culture of violence. You could deny it at your own peril. That is the only people who could solve that problem are black leaders within those communities. It's not even white liberals. I mean, they're fomenting and they're making it worse. That's for sure. But it's only going to come from within. And until and unless it does, you're going to have this cycle of violent crime that mainly kills their own, but certainly spills over to other people as well. And yet, rather than focus on the thousands upon thousands of black homicide victims every year and white homicide victims as a result of these policies, they focus on the few perpetrators who get killed by the police. Most of them justifiably, and then again, when you have so many violent interactions with police, statistically, some of them are going to become tragic, some of them are going to be mistaken, and once in a while you'll have... You know, even malfeasance on the part of police. That's just statistics. But what we need to do is punish and deter violent crime. Period. Colorblind. Color should have nothing to do with that. Now, if you're going to come back at me, well, Daniel, well, why are there more blacks uh, getting arrested for armed robbery and murder? Well, because there's an even greater share of them committing it. If you want to solve that problem, that is not my business. That is nothing I can do. That's not criminal justice. That's not public policy. That's not law. That's cultural. And it's got to come from within. That is the raw truth that everyone knows. We all need that to happen for the preservation of our society and security has nothing to do with, oh, oh, they're they're underprivileged. That has nothing to do, even if that were true, that's not the source of it. I'm sick of this notion. One of the most offensive, racist, disgusting things that's being talked about now is that you are white. Every white person is wealthy and privileged and just it doesn't work for a living. Lives an easy life, 
no adversity, no challenges. You just have it spoon-fed into your mouth where they have all these problems. Now, maybe they're right because the people making these arguments are usually people like that, the limousine liberals. But most people I know, they have plenty of struggles with family, finances, Obviously, the drug addiction, certainly the last seven, eight years, has really moved into white demographics and even upper-income families. Like, you know, this is the whole New Hampshire thing. You had it in Appalachia for a while, but it spread to places like New Hampshire. Plenty of problems. Plenty of problems. You know, my father is going to retire this year. He's turning 71. He earns a good living now. Here, he, you know, he makes... Nice amount of money, not four or five hundred thousand dollars or hedge fund manager salary, but he does nicely. But you know what? He worked for 50 freaking years. He has two master's degrees, nuclear and mechanical engineering. He's one of the smartest in his field. And you know what? After all that education and everything, most of his career, you know, we were happy when I was a kid growing up, not complaining. But we were very careful with money. My mother stood home with the kids and then became, you know, a part-time school teacher in a private school. So it was mainly my father's income, and it was it was adequate. But commensurate with his skill level and education, until the final 15 years, because he was in mechanical engineering, and manufacturing was destroyed in this country, precisely when he started working in the early 70s, went downhill. I grew up never knowing of a time when he wasn't looking for a job. He was always being laid off and looking and looking. Last 15 years, he got into nuclear engineering again, and they needed him. There were very few people because they destroyed the nuclear industry, but that actually helped him making uh, waste containment vessels for nuclear waste. And finally, he made it. Finally, finally. But, But, like... Even his base commute was, he's, he never had a good commute. It was always on the Baltimore Beltway, 30, 35 minutes, but it could be a lot more. Every day, travel to India, China, Japan, travel, 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 domestic. Always, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm traveling today. It takes everything out of me. I hate traveling. I'm half his age. But he did this throughout his 60s. Worked very hard. And then it's not like, oh, I, I go on a two-week business trip to India, no, he's like, boom, straight in the office, working, you know. He worked very hard for it. Didn't go to prestigious colleges. His parents were dirt poor. Got his first job in Pittsburgh at Westinghouse. Um, had a little bit of food, a Chevy Nova and 800 bucks. Well, I guess some people don't didn't have a car, so he did have a Chevy Nova, but you know what I mean? I don't want to hear this bull crap. My mother, her parents owned a jewelry store, didn't do very well. They lived in what would be considered nowadays a row house. And they knew a lot of people like that. But the one thing that is interesting is they were never violent. They never beat people up. No one made excuses for them. No one treated them as inferior, like, you know, the soft bigotry of low expectations. This is what we expect from you. Yeah, it's not your fault. Go act like an animal. No. We are all individual human beings made in God's image. 
the color of one's skin is literally like the, the least important factor. But here, we are indulging blacks to the point that we're destroying them. You know, a lot of immigrant groups that were products of the, you know, the great wave from 1880 to 1920, very poor. They built themselves up and, um, you ever talk about, oh, the wealthy Jews run the world and everything. But you know, whether there was Levi Strauss or Macy's and all the department stores, well, you think they just got it? They often came as like German Jewish immigrants, either in the 1850s, 1880s, 1890s from Eastern Europe. And they were, they were peddlers. Sometimes they themselves wound up starting a business. Usually it was their children. And they worked up. The only people who are spoon-fed are the people who work in today's generation of big tech and everything else, the system. So they have the luxury of looking down upon blacks and working class whites. It's not a racial thing, actually. We all know that. So they project their own experience on everyone else. But I know very few people who do well that didn't work very hard, don't still work very hard, and didn't go through a period of time where they struggled. This white privilege is such crap, it's not even funny. It really is. And rather than some of these black leaders giving this message of hope and upward mobility to their, you know, people in church and whatever, in the communities, they instead sow hatred. That's where the anti-Semitic stuff comes from with the Farrakhan and Sharpton people, anti-Asian stuff. They resent them. Yeah, the Jews get all the money, they steal everything. Nope. This wealthy Jew thing is crap. Again, both my parents, Jewish, they came from what would be considered nowadays for sure poorer than anyone is. No one's poor nowadays because they throw so many programs and money at people. And, um, and that's what it is. It was hard work. The only way to suggest that there's somehow a problem is to say that blacks are inherently inferior. And that's really what they're insinuating. And it's disgusting. Because everyone knows it's not true. Because there's plenty of blacks that do as well as anyone else does. So the fact that others don't is not because they're incapable of that. Because of their stupid color of one's skin, which is so meaningless. It's ridiculous. It's time to address this head on. I'm sick of people running away from that garbage. Running away from the truth. This really bothers me. This notion that, oh, we, you know, those of us that aren't black or whatever, colored people, whatever term they use nowadays, it's hard to know who's included in their, you know, special chosen people. But again, they're not, they're actually not helping them. That, that's, the, that's the tragedy. They're harming them. And they're harming everyone. They're harming society too. With this sick two-tier justice system. There is only one, one difference that you could say that is legitimate. That makes it unequal or like a non-level playing field. And I will readily admit it. And that is the culture of violence. That is the difference versus other 
white or other traditionally poorer groups that came from, you know, lower income circumstances, they didn't have that culture of violence. But the solution to that is not anything they're talking about. What they're doing is encouraging it, glorifying it. They glorify rather than the seven-year-old Jaslyn Adams gunned down by a repeat violent offender teen carjacker at a McDonald's drive-thru. They promote this 16-year-old girl. There's a whole other article in the Columbus Dispatch today about she was a loving, kind girl, young, this and that. It's unbelievable. By the way, Clarence Thomas in the footnote on that Mississippi v. Jones case I referenced last week, Clarence Thomas mentioned that he, he ripped the majority opinion for using the term girl and playing down their youthfulness, you know, their, their, their acuity, their cognitive abilities when it comes to juvenile murderers. But he, he noted that the same court, when they, when they discuss abortion for minors, they call them young women. It's very interesting how nowadays in society, we treat kids like adults for everything. Their culpability for COVID, abortion, sex change castration, voting, they want them to vote when they're younger and younger. Except when it comes to juvenile murderers. Then they're just babies. Actually, someone did call the 16-year-old a baby. Maybe it was the mother. I don't know. It was, I saw it in some news article. They're making an outcome where the only result is that you're going to get more and more violence at a younger and younger age and more and more females getting into it in addition to the males. That's how you destroy a civilization. The more you dissuade something, the less you get of it. The more you incentivize and encourage it, the more of it you get. The result is going to be, it's like pouring lighter fluid on a fire. It's the culture of violence. Everyone knows it's there. By denying it, excusing it, and even championing it, you are helping nobody. You are harming everyone, and most directly, black communities. The data is just undeniable. Undeniable. There are literally more black victims of homicide in any given year than white victims, even though whites are, what, four and a half times larger in number. You are doing nobody any favors. It's so sad. We've, we've talked about this for so long, how you look at the black homicides in the 70s and 80s into the early 90s, and then when the crime bubble popped, we literally saved tens of thousands of black lives from being tougher on crime. And now we're going back to those numbers. Not going back, we already are back to that in, in many, many, many major cities. And increasingly, the victims are single digits, young teens. They never cry about those babies. No article is written about Jaslyn Adams. She's black. Linda Stoltzfus, you know, we started the show with today, that we know. She's white, Amish, she's, her life is meaningless. We, we got that message from our political class. Now, folks, I didn't get to the other stories I wanted to get to. There's a lot on COVID. There's a lot going on in the legislatures. But I felt, I think you guys would agree with me, this is very important to flesh out. 
I'm just going to go through a lightning strike of a couple, you know, lightning round of, of quick news, quick hits. So a court in Arizona just blocked the audit of the election. So now there's a fundamental right to not have ballots audited, but no right to open your business or breathe through your nose. Okay, they, they get an injunction on that. We have Arkansas. We have Asa Hutchinson vetoed SB 284, a bill to make Arkansas a Second Amendment sanctuary. So the one issue they use to screw us in every other issue, oh, we're pro-gun. He's not even pro-gun. Now, that will be overridden. Arkansas did pass, the legislature did pass a bill, a very good bill by my buddy Trent Garner, um, both banning businesses from requiring vaccination and banning in the future any locality, much less the governor, from instituting a mask mandate. The governor will likely veto both of them. Hopefully we could override. We got an Oklahoma. At least we finally have one state where they sign protections for drivers who are mobbed by BLM, like Florida did. As you well know, BLM responded by mobbing the Capitol, intimidating, breaking the law. Nothing's going to happen. Not a single one is going to be charged, much less held without bail. So they had an insurrection there. You have Texas right on crime, a libertarian right-leaning pro-criminal group promoting all sorts of pro-criminal legislation while they block critical race. uh, There's a bill banning critical race theory. They're blocking that. They're blocking the bill to build the border wall. They even blocked constitutional carry there. We have in North Dakota where the governor, another dirtbag Republican, he overrode the veto of, no, I'm sorry, he vetoed both the mask bill and the bill barring men and female sports. The mask bill, they did override the veto. The tranny bill, they overrode in the House, but the Senate came up just short as always. Remember, back to Oklahoma, I um, I helped draft a bill enabling Oklahoma to nullify everything the feds do. And we thought for sure that would pass. It passed every single Republican. The Speaker of the House even sponsored it. Well, in the Senate, the Senate pro temp, Senator Greg Treat, T-R-E-A-T, if you want to yell at him, if you're from Oklahoma, he voted, he, he basically killed it, not going anywhere. Florida legislature and the Florida Senate, as you all know, they blocked, um, what was this? They blocked the bill, uh, I know, yeah, I mean, this was the men and female sports bill as well, they blocked that. But they passed, both houses passed a bill requiring a moment of silence in the public schools every morning. Bizarre. Just like, okay. Speaking of Florida, we are watching. There is a an important lawsuit. Alachua County, this is Gainesville. Um, parents have gotten together to sue the mask mandate, just like we have in Cobb County, Georgia. So, you know, we're going to be watching for that. So there is a lot more news going on. I am going to be slow this week. The shows are going to be irregular for the first part of the week. Um, This is Monday, which is pre-recorded. Tuesday, Wednesday, we should have at least one of the two, but I'm not sure when it's going to come out because I'm going to be out in the desert. But folks, I need you guys to keep signing up if you haven't for ConAction.network. I'm trying to go state by state. I'm working on Idaho Alabama, um, I need a team leader for Arkansas, 
um, I can't really get the teams organized until I get a leader to coordinate them for me because there's no way I can do do this on my own. So this is definitely something if you want to, if you're interested, email me dharowitz at blazemedia.com. There's a lot of other important COVID news. We have obviously that doctor in Missouri that it was arrested for um, being charged by the feds for marketing zinc and, and vitamin D as a, as a cure to COVID. They're evidently in December, Trump signed the omnibus bill that included a bunch of COVID stuff and one was a COVID like anti-fraud bill and you could tell it was written by Big Pharma. So basically they're the ones who should be hit up on the bill for, for defrauding people on the vaccine, on mask efficacy, on remdesivir, but they're now using it against people that are actually pushing stuff that saves lives. It's unbelievable. We need states to push back and interpose against that, but you know, it's so late in the legislative sessions, they're, oh, we can't introduce legislation, all this garbage. We have the Texas hospital system is the first in the entire country to require vaccines. So so here we have, the governor's like, oh, no, no vaccine passports. And I was like, it might not be a passport, but they're requiring it. What are you going to do about it? It's already happening. They won without firing a shot. They just do it. Well, Daniel, it's illegal. It's emergency use authorization. They don't care. They do what they want. We live in a country where the inmates run the asylum. The criminals get to criminalize the victims and the police. They get to criminalize driving on the road when they're illegally blocking a road. They get to shove on people poison that doesn't work and then hit them up on fraud for saving lives like, like Dr. Zev Zelenko. These people are worse than Al-Qaeda. We need to think of more solutions because what we're doing ain't working. Sorry to end on a sour note, but we certainly did cover a lot as always. As you could tell, we skate to where the puck is going, not to where it's been. And we don't go with the group think, even the conservative group think. This is very independent, very different content. And that's the thing. It's not so much about the bias of Oh, what do you think about this event? It's more about what we're even discussing, the news stories that we're even discussing. Because what they don't tell you, if you would know what those stories are, they would shed a lot of light on what they do tell you. So folks, looking forward to seeing all of you here at Front Sight. Those of you who haven't signed up, you could come for the May 30th trip at constitutioncoach.com. I will be out then. I won't be out on June 6th, which is the last trip before the summer. Looking forward to hearing from all of you guys. Send this show to 50 of your friends and relatives till tomorrow. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.